Today's message is titled, A Life of Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm not going to be in one particular um, area in Scripture, but I thought that this would be a great time to speak about Thanksgiving. Since it's in four days that we celebrate Thanksgiving Day, it's a wonderful time of year as we gather together with friends and family, and uh, we um, gather together to celebrate, to just uh, maybe see people we haven't seen in a while, and and just be able to get together in fellowship. But most Thanksgiving celebrations consist more of food and football um, than they do of actually giving thanks for anything. And, and that's the nature of society today, that we have become distracted by everything going on around us and um, all of the technology, all of the events, and it seems like there are more and more events to distract us um, from really appreciating and understanding what Thanksgiving is about. But it isn't because we're not thankful. It's not that we are unthankful or we're ungrateful. It's just due to the nature of the holidays and how busy they become. But there's so much to do to make things just right. You know, isn't that what we want? We, we just want to create the perfect setting so that everything is just right. And is it ever? I mean... I've never been able to achieve that just right because there are unexpected things that happen. I mean, Cheryl prepares the food just right, but I inhale it in three minutes. (laughs) So, you know, that just takes away some of the uh, joy and the appreciation of having that great meal. But Thanksgiving isn't something we should just do once a year either. You know, we have Christmas, which is once a year, and we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We have Easter, which is once a year. We celebrate his resurrection from the dead. But if we only celebrated Jesus on those two days, where would our life be? You see, we celebrate Jesus every day of our lives. And that's important for us to do as Christians because that's what we believe. We believe he's part of our life every day of our lives. He's part of our lives. And Thanksgiving is something that we should be celebrating every day because we should be thankful every day. There are many people in the world that don't have a lot to be thankful for. They don't have much of anything. And so when they receive a little something, they're grateful. They're very thankful for the little something that they receive, and they appreciate it so much. But we who have an abundance, um, we maybe miss out on some of those times where we can give thanksgiving, where, where we should have thanksgiving, where it should be part of our lives. But we kind of miss out on it because we're so focused on what else we're doing. 
you know, sometimes we have so much on our plate that we miss out on the moments where we appreciate the things that God has done for us in those certain times in our lives. So Paul has a different perspective on Thanksgiving. He gives um, us this perspective in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. And he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Why? Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's Paul's perspective. We're to give thanks in everything. And Paul lived his life this way. Regardless of the trials and tribulations that Paul was going through, he gave thanks. He started all his letters giving thanks for the different people that he was writing to, whether they were churches or people. He gave thanks for them. And he mentioned that he was praying for them always lifting up prayers to the Lord for them. He had a heart of thanksgiving. But this was a man that was in trials and tribulations, and he had been shipwrecked numerous times, and he'd been bitten by poisonous snakes, and he had all different kinds of stuff. He was stoned to the point of death. And then he got up and went back into the city, I mean, Paul's life isn't one of our lives in, in that we probably won't go through as much as he went through, but we have challenges of our own in our lives. Our health, our strength, our financial situations, whatever they may be, we may be struggling in our lives for the things that we go through, and we see them as the same intensity of trial that Paul saw in his life. But if we actually put them on a list and compared them, we would say, wow, I've got it good. But it doesn't work that way. You see, our lives are based on how we feel and what we're living, and so we're the ones that determine whether or not things are good and bad. And if things are really good for a period of time, and then one thing goes wrong like a flat tire, man, that's it. It could just set you off, you know? Paul gets dragged outside a city and stoned to death, and we have a flat tire. Oh, man. Wow. Where's God in that? You know, and sometimes it's all a matter of perspective. As Christians, we desire to know the will of God for our lives. That's something that's spoken of throughout the scriptures, that we should be following the will of God, that we should desire the will of God. But knowing it isn't enough. We, we have to not only know it, we have to follow it and we have to actually make it part of our lives. It has to become evident in our lives that we're following the will of God. And quite often, when people see our lives, they're seeing what we find important in our lives instead of finding what God finds important or wants to make important in our lives. So, but I believe it begins with rejoicing always, which 
is not easy. Rejoicing always, and and if Paul could say this through all the trials that he goes through, remember when he traveled from city to city, his air conditioning was broken. You know, he, he didn't have the latest pair of hiking boots to go from city to city. You know, and, and he didn't have everything that we have. So when we go to city to city, and, and sometimes we can complain and, and gripe, oh man, this is such a long trip and this is such, oh no, there's traffic. I hate traffic. I think I'd rather walk with a pair of sandals with no air conditioning. I'd rather walk it. Right? No, that ain't happening. You know, and we just don't have that perspective. There are many things that we can find to complain about rather than rejoicing. But complaining never brings contentment. You can complain all you want, but after you're done complaining, you will not say to yourself, Ah, I feel better. (laughs) That won't happen. Okay? Unless someone else feels bad, you know? If, if you can make something, oh, good, I feel bad, because now they feel bad for me. <laughs> you know? Now I feel better. Then we're told to pray continuously. And quite often we're too busy to pray continuously. But there are times when we can pray that we don't pray because we're too busy complaining. You see, if we give up those times of complaining and replace them with times of prayer, it not only changes our attitude, it can change other people's lives. And really, that's what we're really trying to do. We're trying to be examples. We're trying to be an instrument used by God to reach the world around us. Not by preaching, not by hitting them with the Bible, although some people need that, uh, but that's not the best way to reach someone. The best way to reach someone is being an example. And praying for them is the most effective weapon and tool that we have in our arsenal to make changes here on the earth. So, Those times that we're waiting for something like in line at the supermarket or or, or maybe waiting at a red light and, you know, you get there, it just turns red and now I got to wait. And, you know, it's a great time. Pray for the person next to you that when they accelerate to cut you off, that you're praying for them. If you don't accelerate as fast, they're not cutting you off. They'll just get in front of you and you've blessed them. They may not know that, but you do, and you can pray for them in the meantime. Pray for your spouse if you're running a little late, okay? You know, pray for them. Don't start urging, we gotta go, we gotta go, you know? Give your husband some grace. (laughs) Oh, see, I know you guys were thinking I was talking about the women, didn't you? Oh, no. You know what? It's a two-way street. And we should be praying instead of, you know, taking our time and 
regurgitating negative things. And we do that. That's just our, our nature, our tendency. Those are great times to pray. So finally, we're told to give thanks in everything. And quite often, we can be too distracted by issues to give thanks for anything because we have too much on our plate. We have too much, too many things that are vying for our attention that we're not able to give thanks because we're only looking at the negative things, the things that we have to do, the trouble that we're in, or the trouble that someone else is in and needs us to bail them out. You know, I, I've got my own problems. How do you expect me to bail you out? You know, and really, it all comes down to what is God calling us to do? Well, you know, first of all, we can give thanks for everything that we have and everything God is doing. And, you know, sometimes it's like, how can I be thankful for this going on in my life right now? I don't know, but God said that that's what we're supposed to be doing. And Paul is confirming it here. When we're complaining about things, giving thanks doesn't come to mind, does it? Because we're complaining about things. Complaining comes easy, but having a thankful heart, that takes some work. Being thankful really is an effort. We have to put effort into being thankful. And if we really put it to our mind, we could have a hard time listing everything we're thankful for if we're so focused on the negative, so focused on the trials and the tribulations, that we'd have a hard time listing the things that we're thankful for. But I believe that we should. Our human nature tends to focus on one thing at a time. And, you know, so when we actually reach the goal and, and achieve the one thing that we're trying to achieve and, and accomplish, um, when we get that certain thing, if it's an object and we get it, you know, um, we find that it doesn't bring contentment, it doesn't bring peace. As a matter of fact, it may actually add another burden. You know, I, I, I've said that I need to get this, I need to buy this, and, and we wait, we wait, we wait, and then we get it, and then, oh, now I have to pay for it. <laughs> and, and it just adds more to the burden. It, it wasn't a blessing to us. But I believe that when things are in the will of God, they're a blessing. Yes. They become a blessing. And I believe that things that cause us not to be thankful and not to be grateful and not to be blessed maybe should be recycled and gotten rid of and start fresh with what the will of God is, what God wants to do. So none of these things will truly satisfy us if we're not in the will of God and they're not in the will of God. It's all about what he wants to bless us with. And if we're in his will, he will bless us. There's no doubt in my mind. We all have something that we can be thankful for, and we should be thankful for, but we may not feel like we want to give thanks in everything, but we do it because it's the will of God to give thanks in everything. And sometimes it's not what's in our heart but when we do it, God changes our heart. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking to have our heart changed. 
Thankfulness is a recurring theme in Colossians chapter 3. We're told to include the practice of thanksgiving in our lives in Colossians chapter 3 in verse 15 where Paul writes, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. So even though the world is not a peaceful place, we can have peace as we trust in the Lord to fulfill his promises. There, it is possible to have peace. We're also told in verse 15 that we're called in one body. So Paul tells us, let the peace of God rule in our hearts, and that will be the reason to be thankful. And then we're called to be in one body. We gather together as fellow believers, whether it's in our homes or at church, we're called to be a body together, to love each other, to minister one to another, and we can have the peace of the Holy Spirit when we do that. When we come together as believers, we can experience the peace of God. We can and should be thankful for our family of believers, the ones that we call Calvary Chapel, Fountain Hills, or wherever your home church is. That's what God has blessed us with, a family of like-minded believers. In Colossians 3.17, we're reminded, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What are you doing in your life? What does God have you doing in your life? You know, we look at what other people are doing. We look at pastors and leaders and elders, and, but everyone's called to do something. We all have a role. And whatever you do in word and deed, that's all of us. You all have words, and you all do deeds. All of you. You're all involved in that. And if you're not, you should be. Okay, But are your words and deeds about what you do for a living or where you're going or what you're going to be doing or, or are your words and deeds reflective of the work that God is doing in and through your life to reach the world around you? You see, I believe that we can enjoy what God has given us as far as whether it's a career or whether it's um, retirement or whether whatever it is that God has given you, there is a way to enjoy it. At the same time, we can be used by him to minister to others. They're, they're not mutually exclusive. Our life that we live here we live to the Lord, and everything else falls in place when we give it to him. Whether it's our career, whether it's our families. And I know we don't all have perfect families like mine. 
My family is plum loco at times. <laughs> you know, and, and that's okay. You know, I, I've, you know, I was the black sheep of the family for quite a long time. And, and when I got saved, it didn't get better. I was still the weirdo. <laughs> uh, okay? And, and yeah, and, and, and I'm still, you know, okay with that now. You know, when I was the black sheep, I wasn't as okay uh, about it. You know, I always wanted to try to impress and, and make people happy. But, um, but the fact of the matter is that I am not concerned so much about my family, what my family thinks of me anymore. That's not important to me. What's important to me is, is my family seeing Jesus? Are they seeing the love of God? And they are. I know. Some of you know my sister. She comes uh, when she can make it up from Mesa. She lives down in Mesa, and she's sick right now. But um, she comes up because she wants to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But that wasn't her all the time. It, it, that's something new for her, that she's doing that. And, and I love her, and I'm excited about the fact that God is doing something different in her life. Just like she was excited when God did something different in my life, because I was a jerk before. <laughs> Some of you are still thinking I'm a jerk. Get that out of your mind. Be thankful. <laughs> you know, whatever we do in word and deed, we're supposed to be doing for the Lord, primarily. And then secondarily, to the world will have an impact because our focus is on the Lord. It's the least we can do. It really is because of what he's done for us. We can begin by giving thanks for his son who he sent to save us. That's, you know, something that every morning we can give thanks because we're saved. You know, a, a lot of times we look at the conditions that we're living in, the trials that we're going through, the struggles in our lives, and when we get up in the morning, it's like, oh, I've got to face these things again. Hold on. First... Remember that you're saved. And remember that you have hope in eternity. Once you do that and think, hold on, I've got eternity to look forward to. I'm a child of the living God. I have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. All of a sudden, the problems don't seem as big. You know, my, my health is a little off. Yeah, it may be. That may mean you're going home to see the Lord sooner. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to get rid of you. <laughs> but, you know, that is something we can look forward to. And when we look forward to that, our health concerns aren't as dramatic. And they may actually give us some comfort. And our health may actually improve because of that, because of the fact that we're not focused on our health. You know, when I, uh, I started having uh, palpitations, and I went to a friend of ours who's a cardiologist, and uh, I, it, it had been going on a while, and I went in to see him, and he ran me through all the tests and everything. He said, you have tachycardia. I said, oh, you know, wow, that's exciting. What is that? 
and, and then he explained it to me. My electrodes in my heart just misfire. I could just be sitting there working at a computer, and all of a sudden my heartbeat will accelerate and everything, and, and I'm like nervous, and I feel like, oh, I'm having a heart attack, you know? And, and that's what caused me in the first place to go to the hospital when I had that event happen. So, um, you know, I, I said, you know, what, what do I do? You know, and he, he said, well, he said, when it happens... When you start feeling it, think to yourself, oh, yeah, it's that thing that I have, the tachycardia. He said, cough really hard twice. Just give a really hard cough. I said, cough? He said, cough. It resets the electrodes in your heart, and it'll just reset everything. He said, so cough really hard twice, really hard. He said, and then go back to doing what you were doing and just saying, okay, it's over. You know, it's just that thing that's going on. Five years, I went without having another episode at all, at all, because I knew that there was an answer now. I knew that it wasn't a big deal. All I had to do was cough. <laughs> and I do that on a regular basis. I must be resetting my heart all the time when I cough, you know? And, and so I didn't have, because I had peace with knowing that it wasn't a big deal anymore. And so I have had a few other episodes after those five years, but it was no big deal because I remember, oh yeah, it's that thing he told me about, I cough, I go back to work, and it's no big deal. So, you know, it, it just shows that we can have peace um, through things. And when we resign ourselves to trust the Lord, to have peace, to have thanksgiving for what he's doing and what he's provided for us, we can have peace all the time, even in the midst of our trials and our struggles, we can have peace. I believe God uses us more with the people around us than the things around us. You know, quite often we're focused on things, but really God's blessings are the people more than the things. That doesn't necessarily mean that every person is going to be a blessing in your life. I wish it were that way. Don't you? But just because someone doesn't appear to be a blessing doesn't mean that God hasn't brought them into your life. There may be a reason for God bringing someone into your life that isn't so much a blessing. They may be the sandpaper and you got splinters. And he just wants to sand at you. And he's bringing the sandpaper in. And they may be 60 grit. So <laughs> some of you know what that is, you know? And it's going to be rough for a while. But then, you know, he smooths you out. And then it's not as bad as it was originally. Paul bursts out with praise in 2 Corinthians 9.15. He wrote, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Jesus is our indescribable gift. I really like this. You know why? Because he is indescribable. The gift of God, we can talk all we want about it, but it really is indescribable. Because I can't describe what I have coming to me. 
I can only describe it in earthly terms and how it impacts me today. I know that I'm going to heaven. I know that I'm going to be able to celebrate and worship before the throne of God. And I'm going to spend eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All of these things are so exciting. What does that look like? I have no idea. I, I don't have a picture of Jesus in my wallet, so I know what it's going to look like. I don't know. What I do know, that it's going to be better than anything that I can imagine. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. We sing about it. We think about it. We dwell on it. We pray about it. But what we have is indescribable. The gift we have is indescribable. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't give thanks for it. We should be giving thanks for it every day. Because it's what has been given to us that we can't see yet. If one of you want to leave me a million dollars and put it in my bank account, I won't see it right away. Okay? But if it's there, I'll just know it's there. It will comfort me. Okay, you don't have to give me a million dollars. But, you see, it's there. It's not like I have it in my hands and I know what it looks like and I know what it feels like. You know, it's in the bank. I know it's in the bank. I know what's in the bank, in the treasury in heaven. It's all there. It's being stored up. You know, and that's what I'm looking forward to. That gift that's been given to me has now opened up this bank account and it's, it's gaining interest up there in heaven. But I don't know what it's going to be like when I, until I get there. I don't know how it's going to impact my eternity until I get there. But I can be thankful for it. God will never get tired of hearing you say thank you. He will never get tired of hearing you Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. There's no secret to finding the peace of God in your lives. The scripture offer, uh, it ties peace and thanksgiving together as you read the scriptures. You'll find so many places that peace and thanksgiving are tied together. And there are very familiar verses that remind us of these things, such as Philippians 4, 6, and 7. These are scriptures I believe that everyone should memorize. And I use them a lot because they are so relevant to our peace. They are so relevant to actually using scripture to comfort us. Be anxious for nothing but in everything in prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Awesome. You've all heard this before. And you know this. You know it by hearing. Do you know it in your heart? Do you know it by experience? You see, first of all, scriptures tell us to eschew anxiety. Don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. And Paul wrote this. Be anxious for nothing. Paul wrote it. He wasn't at the pharmacy picking up his anxiety medication at the time. 
you know? He, he was talking about being anxious for nothing, and he had reason to be anxious. There are people looking to kill him everywhere he went. And here he is saying, hey, don't be anxious. Do you know why? Because he didn't need the medication from the front. He found the cure already. It's Jesus. Jesus is the cure for anxiety. And quite often, we have anxiety in our lives because we're focused on the problem and not on the solution. And Jesus is the cure. So by approaching God in prayer and supplication, we can make our requests known to the one who is able to fix it. Whatever our problems are, he is able. And if he's not going to fix it, he's going to get us through it. He's going to make us richer through the trial that we go through. Not financially, but spiritually, we're going to become more rich in him through the trial. And I believe we should be thankful even before God answers our prayers. You know, that's a problem. We wait to be thankful. We wait until just, all right, all right now I can be thankful because I've been blessed. No, you were blessed when God started working in those areas. You know how we get together and we all hold hands and we pray at a meal and we all give thanks to God for the meal? Did you pray on the way to the store before you picked up the food, thanking God for the car to be able to get to the store to pick up the food? While you were going through the supermarket picking up the food, did you thank God for the enormous selection of food that you had to choose from. A and then going home, did you thank God that you, know, you were able to prepare the food in your, the comfort of your home, on your stove, in your oven, and all of that? Did, did you, or did you say, I gotta peel these potatoes? You know, I, I, you know sometimes we whine about the silliest things but we should thank God every step of the way because it isn't just at the meal. It's all the way up to sitting at the meal. But that's not just an analogy about Thanksgiving dinner. We should be thanking God throughout our lives because we already know what's stored up in heaven. We already know what we have prepared for us. He told us what we have prepared for us in heaven. We, we have no idea what it is, but he told us that we can be thankful for it. So every day we can give thanks. And that gives us a thankful heart. It changes our heart. Instead of looking at all of the negative things day in and day out, instead of looking at all, we're thankful for the things that we have and the things that he's going to bless us with in the future. So, you know, have you ever had someone promise you something and, and you're really thankful for it? And you're like, oh, thank, thank you so much. Don't be thankful so quick because they may not fulfill what they said they were going to do. You know, and sometimes we get our hopes up about something, but God is going to fulfill every promise that he's ever made. As a matter of fact, he's already fulfilled it. We just haven't reached that place in our timeline yet. But he's already fulfilled it. 
That's why we're reading through the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights. We're reading about what's going to take place in the future. How do we know it's going to take? Because God's already there. And he already told us that's what's going to take place. So we can be thankful knowing that he already has the end of the story complete. And we're just waiting to get there. We're told in Philippians 4.19, I know that our God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. A verse like that reminds us of what we should be thankful for. Praying doesn't come as naturally as I'd like it to. Um, my first instinct is to solve problems on my own. And then once I solve the problem, you know, then I'm, I'm good to go. But quite often I can't solve the problem or I'm taking too much time and I start to get anxious because I'm not able to solve the problem as quickly as I'd like to be. And, you know, so then I, I resort to prayer. Resort to prayer. I, wow, it got that bad, Rick? Yes, it got that bad. I had to pray about it. I wonder how many things I've accomplished in my own power and I've actually accomplished that if I would have prayed about it beforehand, God would have blessed me and it would have been quicker, better, and and I would have been more satisfied with the end result. But because, hey, this is just what I do, I'm good, I can do, I can make this happen, you know, and, and I'm writing this little computer program, I've written many of them like it, I can just whip this out real quick. But if I would have prayed about it, God may have opened up my mind to different things and made that a much better program. You know, but a lot of times I'm just focused on, what I'm able to accomplish. Besides, Jesus didn't have a computer. How would he know, you know, how to be able to do these things? You know? Prayer and giving thanks should be hap habits that we become addicted to. And not addiction in the way that we need a cure. Prayer is the cure. And we should be addicted to prayer because the result is always going to be good. And being in prayer is just so rich. It, we're, we're accessing the internet of God. You see, the internet on the earth, it's terrible. It's horrible. It has all kinds of bad things on it. But God's internet is pure. And it has just what we need when we need it, and we can access it with prayer. And it's awesome. High speed. High speed access. Everyone has it. Doesn't matter where you live. In closing, a life of thanksgiving is more than prayer at mealtime. It's identifying what we're thankful for and giving God thanks for those things. In Jeremiah 2, the nation of Israel was warned because they were turning their back on God. And they were worshiping stones and trees and stuff like that. And God was calling them out on it. He's saying, what, what's wrong with you guys? I blessed you, and here you are giving thanks to the stones and the trees instead of giving thanks to me for what I blessed you with. And I see that that's our world today, too. We give thanks 
in the wrong places. We attribute the, our thanks to things that really didn't have an impact or influence in what is really taking place in our life. You know, James, in our study in James, we read every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And so when we remember that, we understand and we have a better perspective of the things that are given to us in life by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our thanksgiving should always be directed back to the giver of our gifts. I believe the messages of God go further than things. They have names. Jesus, Cheryl, Thomas, Neil, Caitlin. And now you can add your name to that list because you're all a blessing to me. You're all a gift to me. And I'm very thankful for each of you. That's how God has blessed my life. And that's how God is blessing each of you in your lives. We are a family. And it isn't the family of Calvary Chapel. It's just the family. We're the family of God. We're the family of the universal church. And here we gather together as family to love one another, to be used by God, to minister to one another, to encourage one another, to bless one another, and to give thanks to God for this family that he's brought together. It's awesome. It's exciting. And it gives me great joy when I look out and I say, look what you've done, Lord. In the six years that we've been, it started out, I was just looking out on Cheryl and Caitlin, but six years later, this is the family. And although some of them aren't here today, they're traveling or doing different things, we're all together in heart and we're all together in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that brought us all together. So let's remember to be thankful this season, not for the things God has blessed us with, but for the people that he's brought into our lives. Amen?